You're listening to Knowing Faith, a podcast of Training the Church. This is Kyle Worley, and I'm joined by my co-host, Jen Wilkin and JT English. Oh, hey, Kyle. I named this episode Hark the Herald Q&A. Did you Wait, like that? Wait, why does JT just always sit there? He doesn't say one single peppy thing when you say hey. Because I don't have peppiness. Hey, Kyle. Oh, that's that lame. Does anybody think that's peppy? Um, I think you need a catchphrase, like, yowza. Yowza. Uh, no, I don't, I don't want that. <laughs> okay. I mean, you're asking for it. Okay. Bada boom. Uh... <laughs> Uh, okay. Well, we are doing the Q&A, um, which I've titled Hark the Herald q and I'm very proud of that. I've now mentioned it twice. Um, <laughs> because it's releasing around Christmas. I thought that was a great one. Oh, it's great. really hard. I stress out I over the it. Q&A episode titles. Do you? I do. This is the because the, they're my last chance. You know, there was one point where I was real fancy with the names. Yeah. And then we decided that was not a yeah. good decision long-term for the podcast. And then yeah. the Q&A is the one time or two times in a year, fall and spring, where I get to, you know, flex my chops, show you guys that I still have but it, Kyle, still got the ability. I have to tell you, every single time I hear someone preach on Peter's vision, all I can hear uh-huh. is blanket full of bacon. That's all I can yes. hear. Yeah. <laughs> It, so you've uh, done stuck lasting with you. work. You've done work that will endure. Mm-hmm. I have. Well, this is the Q&A episode. So many of you asked wonderful questions on social media. Um, and uh, social media. I always feel like a 50-year-old when I'm like, oh, the social the media. The social's um, out there. Ouch. Sorry. <laughs> Sorry about that. <laughs> you're just so, you're just mm-hmm. so youthful, Jim. Yeah, and sometimes I just yeah. feel like, oh, mm-hmm. yeah. But yes, you guys asked great questions on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. Thank you for that. We cannot get to all of them, but we did take some from the Apple Podcast reviews that you guys have dropped in there and Facebook and Twitter and Instagram. We're going to roll through them, and uh, we're gonna, we have to keep them – to get through a lot of questions, we have to just kind of keep it tight. So if you feel like, wow, there's, they're leaving a lot there, it's like, yep. We have to, but uh, some of these topics we've covered at length in other episodes when we can, I'll try to mention that. Like I'll try to direct you to where, where it is, um, or we'll maybe make some resource recommendations, but we're going to jump right in to Harry's question on Instagram. Is it necessary to categorize God's attributes as communicable versus incommunicable? It seems like the incommunicable attributes are just the communicable attributes cranked up a bit. I love that you said cranked up a bit. Turn up that volume, <laughs> Harry, on the communicable and the communi- <laughs> incommunicable. Wow. <laughs> Um, okay. Uh, is it necessary? Jen, you wrote two separate books, yeah. one on the incommunicable attributes and one on the communicable. Why did you do that? Because it's clearly wrong it's that wrong. you did it. No. Well, Harry makes a good point. I mean, it is it is not necessarily um, 100% helpful to categorize them that way, but I do think that it is more helpful than unhelpful because when you look at the incommunicable attributes, what we're essentially saying is it actually is sinful to aspire to be infinitely knowledgeable or infinitely powerful. But when you look at that category of communicable attributes, it is not sinful. It is Christ-like to aspire to be infinitely loving or to aspire to be infinitely gracious or merciful. So to me, that's the important designator. Um, We do want to grow in knowledge. We want to grow in... There are aspects of the incommunicable attributes that we might want to take on to some degree, but it's the idea that only God 
God should be worshipped for that thing to the nth degree. Um, and we know, obviously, with the incommun- with the I'm sorry, with the communicable attributes, that we not we will never become infinitely loving or merciful. But that is Christ, and so since He's our reference point, that's what we're moving toward. We are not moving toward becoming omniscient or omnipotent mm-hmm. or sovereign. So the 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 incommunicable attributes are things we submit to, and the communicable attributes are things that we aspire to. That's probably not exactly the right language for it, but that's the way I think of it. I like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, Ricky on Facebook asked, has Kyle gotten Can I ask any- this one for Ricky? Sure, please. I need to ask this one for Ricky. Has Kyle gotten better at brushing his teeth? You can't <laughs> ask yourself that own question. <laughs> uh, have I You're gotten welcome, better Ricky. at brushing my own teeth? Uh, yeah, 100%, man. Like, uh, I'm, I would say now uh, the spillage is very minimal. <laughs> on. Uh, and I'm proud of myself for that. Uh, where where I have gotten into trouble recently is I recently started using mouthwash um, more consistently. <laughs> Prior to that, I've been I've been doing mouthwash, you know, twice a week. Heard and about now this I've thing made it part mouthwash. of my routine. <laughs> have you heard about this? Uh, <laughs> and the first couple of weeks that I was doing it every night. I when I went to spit it, I did not realize how foamy mouthwash became in your mouth, and I was just like, "Wow, I looked like I had rabies or something." It was terrible, yeah, and I was like, "The foam Kyle? got all over me." I don't know. It's cheap stuff. It's bad. It like, like Dawn, like, Dawn detergent. It, like, what are yeah, you doing like there? Floor cleaner, <laughs> like floor cleaner. But I was like, it burnt so bad the first couple of weeks that I was doing it that I was like, I can't get, I can't get this out of my mouth fast enough. And so when I went to spit it, I just was getting like mouthwash all over myself anyways and all over the mirror too yeah anyway i have a Kyle, just so you'll know just so i can identify with you and your sufferings Mm -hmm. i thought i had a cavity earlier this week i was like drinking a hot beverage and wanted to yell out loud in a meeting because it hurt so badly and Mm. uh it turned out i had accidentally started using a whitening toothpaste at some point in the last week like i ran out and just grabbed whatever was on the shelf Sure. And so, like, that's an uneducated, sloppy approach yeah. to brushing my teeth, and I thought of you. Mm. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Thanks for yeah. that. Uh, talk about backhanded <laughs> compliment. <laughs> Goodness gracious. <laughs> I'll have to pick my jaw up off the floor. Um, okay. Ijeoma. Sorry if I mispronounced your name, sister. I Googled the pronunciation of it. It's a beautiful name. Ijeoma is what I'm going to go with. It's a beautiful name. That's what I heard on the most YouTube videos that I've clicked. How would you interpret John 14, 28 in light of the Trinity? In light of the Trinity. Here's what it says. It says, uh, you've heard me tell you I'm going away and I am coming to you. If you've loved me, you would rejoice that I'm going to the Father because the Father is greater than I. I think there's two like sticky things there and Ijeoma. Did I get that right, Kyle? Or according um, to your I, I think so. I think so. I'm not sure if you're asking the qu- maybe, and maybe you're asking uh, both of these questions. He says, you've heard me tell you I'm going away and I'm coming. What does that mean? Does it mean that, so Jesus is going away in his ascension, but he's also coming. Does that mean he's coming in his second coming? Or does that mean he's sending his spirit? That's, I think, question number one. And question number two could be, what does it mean that the Father is greater than I? Do you, Kyle, do you have a sense of which one or both? The Father is greater than I. That's the one that I think that... Okay. Yeah, yeah so again, this this is a, a, a passage that Trinitarian theologians have always come back to to talk about not only how does Trinitarianism uh, relate to itself as God being one essence and three distinct persons, but how does Trinitarianism relate to the doctrine of the Son of God and in his incarnation? 
So when we think about who uh, Christ is in this discourse in the upper room with his disciples, and I would encourage you, read John 13 to 17 together as a whole. You're going to see so many statements that Jesus makes about his relationship to the Father, his relationship to the Spirit. But here, we don't just have the Son of God speaking. We have Christ the Lord speaking, who is both God and man. And I would, I would, the, the case that I would make here, and I don't, there's a historical heresy called Nestorianism, which overly separates the two natures of the Son, or uh, of Jesus, uh, the Son of God in his, in, in, in his divinity and in his humanity being earthly, that basically makes him two persons. And I, I hesitate giving you the interpretation I'm about to give because it could be misunderstood as being Nestorian. But here I would say we see the servant, the Jesus Christ, the Lord, who is in, hum, in his humanity saying, I am submissive to the Father. I am I'm submitting my will to his will. And in that, he is greater than I. Does that make sense? Oh, yeah. Pete on Instagram, how essential is formal ministry training versus experience or time for lay leaders? Well, gosh, who wants to go first on this one? <laughs> yeah, I think the answer here is yes. I don't think yeah. there's like a, here's the here's the cookie cutter answer. I think it matters like, who are we talking about? Yeah. Like, are we talking about, like, well, what is their background? What is their experience? Yeah. How much experience do they have? Are we talking two or three years mm-hmm. as a home group leader? Are we talking about 30 years as a business leader? Look at his family. Look at, look at their family. Like, there's... Uh, there's so many, um, I think, uh, caveats to this mm-hmm. question that it would be once you've seen one, you've seen one. Mm-hmm. There are people that I would say you absolutely need to get formal ministry training in order to to, to to step into leadership here. There's other people that I would say, hey, you don't need it. You're ready to go now. And maybe you can get some more formal training along the way. So I don't know that there's a cookie cutter answer. I would say this, though. It's... Um, I think we're living in an anti-institutional, anti-formal education moment right now. And I would just like to push back a little bit on that. It doesn't mean that you need to get the biggest degree at the best school, but we should all be desiring to mm-hmm. continue to grow. And, and institutions are built to do that, mm-hmm. whether they're colleges or nonprofits or seminaries. Uh, I, I always kind of want to press back right now, at least in this moment of saying, hey, go go take a class, go audit something. It doesn't mean you need to get a PhD. It's mm-hmm. good. It's good. I agree yeah. with that. I mean, the three of us have different yeah. levels of formal mm-hmm. training, like right mm-hmm. here. And our collaboration, I would say, has been strengthened by the fact that we do not have a monolithic experience as it pertains to our training and education. Mm-hmm. That's right. Loving Leading Littles on Instagram. What was the highlight of 2022 for each of you? Would love an update from each of you personally, professionally, any new projects or adventures in 2023. Uh, highlight for me in 2022, um, we fostered a couple of kiddos, and that was really sweet to get to do that. Mm. It was a highlight for our family. We really loved the opportunity to get to do that. We're open again and prayerfully waiting for the next kiddo. Um, projects and adventures in 2023. Um, yeah, I mean, like, I- I'll say that. For my family, the adventure in front of us right now in this season of life is just continuing to be a foster family. But like on the professional side for Train the Church, we have some cool stuff. We were launching our fourth podcast in uh, the spring, starting place with Elizabeth Woodson, which we're really thrilled about. Um, we were launching our fifth podcast in the fall, which you'll hear more about uh, in the course of the spring. And then we have some other cool things that I don't know that we can say yet that we will be able to say in 2023 that are cool, that we're very excited mm-hmm. about. What about for you guys? Uh, I've continued to have the yo-yos between highs and lows in my personal life. And uh, it's just been like a lot of high highs and then a lot of low lows. And so we had 
Uh, I lost my mom in January, which was a, a big marker for me. It was it was unexpected, as unexpected as a, the loss of an 80-year-old parent can be. And so ironically, well, I don't know if ironically, but um, graciously, it ushered in for me a, a year of a lot of reflecting on um, aging and the nature of aging and how we think about the elderly and just, uh, you know, mm. we're, we have other uh, aging parents who we're caring for and, and learning how to love uh, as they deserve in this stage of life. So that's been a big theme for me. And then um, uh, we had another uh, grandchild come on the radar um, about midway through the year and that grandchild is about to arrive and then another grandchild coming in April. So, um, and then my son, my youngest son, Calvin graduated from college back in May. So like I said, we've had a lot of just lows and high and then other, other lows that it's not appropriate to, you know, talk about on a podcast, but that we have, um, we've just felt our emotions tugged a million different directions. And so I honestly would prefer a year where it's more straight down the middle. <laughs> I'm praying 2023 would be uh, a little less uh, mercurial, but also we've we've felt so much of the Lord's presence, both in the highs and the lows. Yeah, hi for me. We got to take a couple really fun vacations this year. We got to go on a vacation with my in-laws and a vacation with my parents. I don't think I've gone on a vacation with my uh, mom and stepdad. Uh, and we've done a few like a day or two there here, but like we got a week away with them with our kids, with Macy and I. And it was one of those weeks where I just feel like my kids are going to have some core memories about that. My my uh, mom and stepdad will. And we just had like some deep belly laughter moments, which was really, really sweet. Also, the church that I lead right now is in a sweet season. I think one of the things I'm acutely aware of uh, is both being in ministry with the two of you and just watching other churches is ministry seasons come and go. There's really not a whole lot that you can do to create a certain ministry season. We, we, we really believe in, you know, healthy philosophy of ministry practices and following some specific principles. But at the end of the day, you also still just need the Holy Spirit to be present at your church. Mm-hmm. John chapter 3, the, you know, Jesus says the wind blows where he wants. And so Macy and I and my team right now, we're just trying to kind of sit back and say, man, thank you, Lord, for just what seems to be a fruitful uh, ministry season. I've got a couple uh, kind of writing projects I'm working on right now that probably are not at the place where, like, I'm more like, should this go into the dumpster fire or should this go on Amazon? Uh, I'm not sure. I'm not sure which one, which one's which. But publicly. Yeah, right, right. No, we, you know, I'm in that writing process where, you know, you think, hey, I'm going to do this project and it's brilliant. And then you start writing, you're like, why Why am I doing this? And I'm in the next phase where it's like, I probably shouldn't write anything ever again on a couple of projects I have right now. But I'm also coming to the close on a couple of them, which feels like, okay, this is this is actually, I think, going to be helpful for people. So I'm excited about those uh, finding their way out and hope they'll be useful for the church. Dawn on Instagram, what is the number one concern on your heart for the church as we head into a new year? I think it'd probably be tough for us to answer this for every church everywhere. Um, I'll speak, although I guess you guys could if you want to take it in that direction. I'm going to take it like my, con- my concern or my burden, I probably would say, for our church as we head into the new year is on the topic of prayer. Mm-hmm. Um, we have a resolution at the beginning of every year where we kind of like an orienting anchor thing that over the course of the year we're looking and talking about and trying to seek formation on, just trying to like identify what's one area where we really want to experience growth. For 2023, that area is prayer, transforming and persevering mm-hmm. prayer. So that's what we're focused on going into 2023. So that's my burden for the people of Mosaic Church in 2023 It's prayer. I think my prayer for the Big C Church is um, that we would love 
kindness and gentleness. And I know that that can meet with like, no, we're supposed to fight, you know, for what's true and all of that. And I don't mean to diminish that. Uh, we should we should contend for truth, but the way that we do that matters a lot. And I don't spend a ton of time out on the social medias, like the 50-year-olds mm. say. No, I don't spend a ton yes. of time out on Twitter, but some of the time that I do spend out there, it breaks my heart. It's hard to see people exercising patterns of speech that I think are reserved for unbelievers. So uh, I think my prayer, and I know that it's Twitter. I know that that's, you know, but I think that sometimes Twitter is people saying out loud what other people are thinking quietly. And so to the extent that Twitter is an indicator of the state of our hearts, I'm I'm praying that we understand um, the beauty of kindness and gentleness uh, and also the beauty of mm, silence on, on some things. I agree with that wholeheartedly. Uh, you know, I think... Lead, all leaders right now are thinking about what the next, uh, maybe they're not, at least I, maybe I can say I'm thinking about this, what the next few years hold, whether it's American political cycles yeah. or global events, yeah. or, you know, you could you could throw a number of things into that. And, and it feels like, man, how, what's going to happen, you know, after having just lived through several pretty, what feel like pretty significant events that are going to make it in the, you know, world or American history books in the next you know, 20 or 30 years, it feels like, how, how are we going to lead through this? I mean, I just think, as I'm prayerful, not just for Storyline, but for the Big C Church, is an ability to do something very simple. It's to say this phrase, I disagree, and I still love you, <laughs> right? Mm. We kind of moralized all disagreement over the last few years uh, and made everything orthodoxy. I mean, I just would love for us to be able to inhabit communities where we can say, we agree on the most important things, the supremacy of Christ, the exclusivity of the gospel, joy uh, in the Holy Spirit, the sufficiency and authority of Scripture, and we're going to delight in those things. We're going to delight in the, the coming of the resurrection of the dead and Christ's eternal kingdom, and we're not going to get all that amped up about this mm-hmm. or that, and we're not going to lose friendships and family members over, over things. And I, I think... Uh, so if you're asking JT, what's your real prayer? It's what would it look like for the church instead of maybe some of the testimony and witness that we lost over the last few years, uh, it, but to gain it back over the next few. Mm-hmm. The CSB Life Council Bible provides biblical counsel and practical wisdom for pastors, ministry leaders, counselors, parents, couples, and any individual seeking practical wisdom through the application of God's Word. It includes more than 150 full-length articles on a wide range of topics and tough issues from respected Christian counselors and scholars. Visit csblifecouncilbible.com to get your copy today. Visit csblifecouncilbible.com to get your copy today. We live in a possession and money-obsessed culture, but what does the Bible say about generosity? In his new book, A Short Guide to Gospel Generosity, author Nathan Harris shows us that the answer to our obsession with possessions is turning to the gospel, because only in the gospel can we find the type of life transformation that enables us to turn our focus from ourselves and back to others, to give generously, and to follow in the way of Christ. To learn more about the book, visit GuideToGospelGenerosity.com. That's GuideToGospelGenerosity.com.
Justin on Facebook, what is a song or a lyric from a song in the Advent season that resonates in a meaningful or impactful way in your life and your heart as you reflect on the birth of Christ? Uh, Jen, you had something for this, didn't you, that you wanted to? Yeah, yeah. I love um, the line in O Come, All Ye Faithful, where um, it says, Word of the Father, now in flesh appearing. That's mm-hmm. like guaranteed I'm going to start crying right there. Like my kids all look at me at that moment just to make sure that the universe is still functioning according to its rules. And then the other place that that happens for me is in Hark the Herald Angels Sing when it says, uh, Veiled in flesh the Godhead see, hail the incarnate deity. Yes. Yeah, that's great. Now, no, real quick, Hark the Herald Angels Sing, would that be a good name for a Q&A? Like mm-hmm. Hark the Herald Q&A? Mm-hmm. Okay. Another one, I'll just slide in it since, you, since you've invited that <laughs> weirdness um, to diminish it. Uh, I also <laughs> love Of the Father's Love Begotten. That's one of my favorite Advent songs. And if you are not familiar with it, I don't even it, know I've ever heard it's that. It's fantastic. You should go look it up. Of the Father's Love Begotten. It's best when it's not has no instrumentation and it sounds like monks are singing it, just if you need it that in your back pocket. Um, those are good. Joy joy to the world. No more let sin and sorrows grow, nor th- thorns mm-hmm. infest the ground. He comes to make his blessings flow as far as That's the curse so is good. found. I didn't even know that was in the song until like I was, I don't know, like this is probably five or six years yep. ago. And I was, uh, I heard a version of it. I was like, whoa, what is that? And I like looked up mm-hmm. the lyrics. I was like, why have we not been singing that portion of this song? Yep. Yeah. That's awesome. So I love that line. I'm a big fan of like Santa Baby. All I want for Christmas is you. <laughs> oh, we. Yeah, we know. We know how you feel about all I want for Christmas is you. That's your no, favorite. No, I. Uh, you guys took took the ones that I, I think I would have said first. But there is there is a a, a line in Joy to the World. Uh, he rules the world the world with truth mm-hmm. and grace. What good news that I think sometimes we can make these these songs like even Joy to the World. Like when you think of it, you think, oh man, like little baby Jesus in a in a manger. Uh, but also like he's king. He rules the world with truth and grace. That's good news. Sive mm-hmm. on Instagram. Um, can you know God without knowing the attributes of God? Should a believer be able to name his attributes? So you can know God without knowing the attributes of God. Like there are many people who know God without knowing his attributes. If by knowing we mean the ability to articulate them, that they can experience his love and salvation, experience his grace and come to a growing true understanding of who he is. Um, should a believer be able to name his attributes? Yeah. As a believer matures, I think it's probably very beneficial and wise for that believer to be able to name the attributes of God to know who God is and what God is like. Um, like, should a brand new believer who just came to faith yesterday know be able to name all the attributes of God? Like, we want them to grow in that, but probably not. It's not like a quiz. But you'd want them to grow. You'd want that to be a part of their discipleship diet, so to speak. So um, I'm looking at the author of the two books on the attributes we've got on this podcast. Yeah, you can know things about God's attributes just from from general revelation, right? Like this is the whole standing at the edge of the Grand Canyon. You understand transcendence, whether you acknowledge it as such or not, or whether you have that word or not is another question. Um, but I, I think about in human relationships how our, you know, if you've ever gone to a funeral or maybe just a celebration banquet for someone where people stand up and they and they express their appreciation for someone. Um, the people who do the best in those settings, eulogizers or um, or people who are celebrating someone, are the ones who have the most precise language 
for what is amazing about the person that they are celebrating. And so when we think about our relationship with the Lord, we would want to have precise and beautiful language for who He is. And when we talk about extolling His excellencies, that's what we mean. And so do you have to have them? No. Um, But wouldn't you want to? Like when you want to let someone know, I see you and I love you for exactly who you are, you search for exactly the right words. All right. We have some other good questions here. Uh, Brooke on Instagram, is there now a difference between the people of Israel and the elect, or are the elect now considered God's chosen people? Okay, Brooke. Um, Brooke coming with the fire. (laughs) Uh, Okay, so I'm I'm going to... I'm going to answer your question by saying I don't think— I'm going to evade your question by— <laughs> Well, I would say the elect have always been God's chosen people. Before the foundations of the world, God chose a people. Some of those people were Israelites. Many of those people were not Israelites. And if the question is, is there now—I would say there's always been a difference between the people of Israel and the elect. And some of the people of Israel— were within the elect, but not all. Romans 9, Paul says, not all who descended from Abraham belong to Abraham. I think that it's best to understand that there are two Israels from the very jump. One is the chosen line of blessing, and one is not. So, Have God's promises failed, Kyle? Nope. That's what Paul no, says in Romans 9 through 11. I've actually got a serious question for you. When do you think the church started? Uh, before the foundation of the world. The embodied church. The embodied church would have started with, uh, like, do you mean the, well, I don't know, JT. If we're understanding covenant participants, then I would say it begins with Abraham and his line. Okay. Yeah. Why do you have that little expression on your face, JT? It's a, it's a, it's a fine answer. It's just a really complex answer. Uh, it's a simple answer to a complex question. That's what we're known for here on Knowing Faith, guys. Because <laughs> <laughs> most people would say the church starts at Pentecost. Not most people. Lots of people. <laughs> lots of people. <laughs> They're called Baptists. <laughs> oh, JT. There we and go. Kyle's Captain Baptist, so I just wanted to know what he was going to say. <laughs> Kyle, I would hug you if we were in the same room. It's okay. I mean, the reality is, okay, I don't want to get into it. Um, the reality is, is that. That's yeah, a great okay, question. Fine. How about that? We, we encourage you to read widely about it. That's right. Lisa on Facebook, any chance you will spend more time on Calvinism in the future? <laughs> uh, the topic scares a lot of people, including myself, but I'm wondering if I should continue to go to a church that believes this, even if I We don't. can answer that last part. Yeah. Well, are we going to talk about well, it more? Well, I don't feel like we probably will. Uh, will what? we? <laughs> what? <laughs> yeah. yeah, I think so. Season 10. I mean, I gotta, Season 10, I gotta, we're walking through Well, Calvinism we taught through Institute. Romans, so, I mean. We're literally doing Doctrine of Salvation in the next ah, season, so well, I think it's going to come Okay, up. great. Um, <laughs> then, yes, Lisa, Lisa, we will talk more about it. Spoiler, we're all Calvinists yeah. here. But, and I hope that does, you might be like, what? No, I like you guys, and Calvinists are bad. Well, we're not the bad And we're also, we're and honestly, I will say this on behalf of myself. I don't know if you guys would, but I always say I am, but I'm not recruiting. Like, it has sure. become, it, it's not a first-order issue, and it's become way yeah. less important to me to draw other people into that particular viewpoint than it was when I was in my 20s and 30s. And in fact, you know, someone who's an interesting um, spokesperson for Arminian Reformed theology, 
is the way she would categorize herself, is Felicia Masonheimer. So you could check out her stuff. Mm-hmm. Cool. So, yeah, I don't think it's a hill to die on, uh, although as many non-first-tier issues are, we have strong thoughts about it. But I will say, in, in answer to your question, Lisa, of should I stay in a church that believes this even if I don't, I spent many years in churches that were Arminian, and I was Calvinist, and it did not impede my ability to do meaningful ministry. And I know that there are people in my church currently who would not identify with Calvinism as their position, who are able to serve and have fellowship in meaningful ways. Yes. It, just, it just does not have to have a major impact on our ability to have unity with each other. Yep, that's right. I'd also just briefly say, not this is not a recruiting point for Calvinism, <laughs> but often what scares people about Calvinism isn't actual Calvinism, yeah, it's right. Calvinists. that's right. In, or, 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 you know, kind of cage stage, just angry people about, a, you know, a, a way that they're thinking about mm-hmm. how, to, how to systematize the Bible. Mm-hmm. So that being said, it might be something that you actually should be scared about that is real in the life of your church. Like, oh, man, I, oh, yeah, you know, that's I need point. to be worried about that. It's, it's probably not Calvinism, though. Does that make sense? So when Calvinism is actually talked about and understood, it's actually not very scary. It's actually unbelievably comforting. And there are a lot of really good things that have been written that compare those two positions, Calvinism and Arminianism. So at the very least, do educate yourself on both sides of that conversation so that you can land somewhere convictionally and not just because you received someone else's uh, view on it and, it and you thought, oh, I guess that sounds pretty good. Yep. Um, Jen recommended a book kind of on one side of it. I'll recommend a book on another side. This is an overlooked book called The Joy of Calvinism, and it is really good. It's by Greg Forster. It does not get enough attention, and it's a very accessible approach to Calvinism. So Joy of Calvinism, very good book. Shout out to Greg Forster. That book has not gotten enough attention. And I technically I, rep- I recommended a website. Yeah, oh, I don't think Felicia's sorry. written a book on it, but she's done. So Perfect. she has a podcast, and she talks about Arminianism. Cool. Uh, Shane on Twitter, is it heretical or heterodox when one does not believe in the Trinity but in modalism? Think oneness Pentecostals. Yes. <laughs> yep. Mm-hmm. And, and like there doesn't, we can, we, uh, that's not Christianity in any sense. Listen, guys, there's a, there are very few times on this podcast where we are going to like draw the line. Okay. Like we're going to be like, Hey, just so you know, like, but there are like, and we try to be irenic and charitable and curious and talk about second. You just heard us distinguish and a few questions, secondary and third tier issues. Like we understand that the Trinity is not even, it's not even in the same ballpark as a secondary matter. It is a primary first issue, square one kind of thing. You get like you, if you are consciously off on the Trinity, I'm not saying you you are working through your understanding as a good faith operator who has come to salvation in Christ, but you have a a willful misunderstanding of the Trinity. That is a heterodox view, full stop. And modalism is a willful misunderstanding. Now, I'm not talking about a kid who like comes to faith and is trying to work through questions with the doctrine of God and says something that sounds modalistic. You don't point at that kid and go, "You're a heretic." But oneness Pentecostalism is a like is a confessional is a confessional position against the historic understanding of the Trinity, the, the true understanding of the Trinity. So yes, it's heterodox. Uh Hunter Bellis. Oh hey Hunter from Journey Women Beelis. Podcast, our friend. Bellis. Sorry. I said she was our friend and then immediately mispronounced her last name. <laughs> Hunter Bielis on Instagram. Hunter, we're sorry on behalf. Of <laughs> yeah, lots of talking today. Um, why are you guys so awesome? Well, 
Um, no, Hunter, why are yeah. you so awesome? That's there the we go. That's the yeah, answer. She is actually awesome. She's a recent new mom too, and she just keeps going. She's got, she's got. I, I, I guess you can't call someone a new mom when it's their fourth kid, but she has recently had another <laughs> child. <laughs> she's a tired mom, brand new mom for yeah, the fourth time over at uh, Journey Women. We love them. Journey Women. Her. We love- we love Journey Women. Go check out mm-hmm. Journey Women. Dina on Instagram. Years ago, I had a friend in the psychiatric profession, and he said some individuals are pure evil. This leads to my question. Is possession by demons, evil spirits, still occurring? It's our last question. <laughs> I felt like Dina. I love that you put this. Merry Christmas, everybody. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I should have ended with Hunters. <laughs> Uh, well, in our Patreon oh, Q&A, gosh. I did mention that I do believe that Elf on a Shelf is a, is a demonic presence. No, I'm just kidding. Yes. I didn't really say it that way, but I, I made it. Okay. Yeah. So who I'll wants jump to in, just, Tom. Great. Thanks, JT. Pure evil. Again, we need to make sure what we're talking about here. This is the mm-hmm. doctrine of image bearing and the doctrine mm-hmm. of sin kind of coming in, in, into connection mm-hmm. here. And so by pure evil, uh, that's really strong language. But what we do want to say is that all humans, first of all, have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, and that there is not one that is good. So if we're contrasting somebody who's pure evil with the rest of humanity who's basically good, I would deny the premise of the question. Uh, The doctrine of sin in Genesis chapter 3 moving forward is that all of us now have wicked hearts. All of us uh, walk in unrighteousness and wickedness. That being said, I do think I understand what you're saying here. There are some individuals, people, you could even say communities, that walk in a level of wickedness that surpasses the level of wickedness uh, and evil that we experience in everyday lives. And so if the question is, is can can those people or can people be possessed by demons and evil spirits? Yes, in my view. Absolutely. Foundationally, uh, there is a spiritual battle going on for the hearts of people. Uh, and one of the ways that Satan seeks to put uh, foils into God's redemptive plan is to possess people through evil spirits and wicked demons. And I've, 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 I think I could say with confidence, I've seen it. Uh, I haven't experienced it myself, but I've been in the presence of that. Uh, and it is terrifying. Absolutely terrifying. Merry Christmas, everybody. <laughs> oh, golly. Oh, yeah. I really okay we got you end. would say that too wouldn't you Kyle uh, I what? like how you're leaving me out answer? I like how you're leaving me out of this yeah <laughs> you would I can demons one... possess people still yes <laughs> yes <laughs> that's the question can demons possess Christians no no but they can influence them. oppress not they possess. can yeah Exactly. Mm-hmm. Oppress. And I even think, uh, yeah, I, I, I prefer the language when I think about the Christian interaction with demonic forces as language of spiritual torment. Mm. Yeah. That, that it's, it's the idea even of oppression, I think it gives too much credence to what we find in scripture when it comes to the role of demonic activity in the Christian's life, that they're not under a rule. No longer. They're not chained. They're not bound. But the demonic forces, are. They, they torment. They agitate. And sometimes the level of that torment can rise to what can be very hard trials and afflictions. But they never are subsumed under the reign in any way of Satan because they are no longer in his kingdom. Um, so uh, That's true. But, I mean, the, the Bible— Peter writing to elect exiles, First mm-hmm. Peter five eight. Be sober minded, be alert. Your adversary, the devil, is prowling around like a roaring lion, seeking to devour you. 
No, I, 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 I believe that I believe that the demonic activity can be pronounced. I just transferred out of the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of his beloved son. I believe, I believe that. that. I believe that there's been a fundamental kingdom change and that the enemy might take everything, but he cannot have us any longer. I would just like to caveat um, that the person who asked this question mentioned having a friend in the psychiatric profession. And so Mm -hmm. there are two ways that we can mess this up in in ministry settings. Um, And you need to know what your lean is on this. Mm -hmm. If you lean more toward uh, a focus on spiritual realm things, then you may you may misdiagnose um, what someone is dealing with as a spirit as purely spiritual when it is a mental health concern. Um, and then I think you can also lean too far the other direction and diagnose something as purely a mental health concern which m- might have a spiritual component to it component. I'm trying to learn to say that word differently. And so, um, you know, if you are in a more charismatic setting, um, then the error that's often committed is to say, well, this is a demon when someone might be schizophrenic and need actual, you know, need care um, from a trained professional. Uh, and then I think, you know, there's other, there, there are churches in which the the lean might be more toward like, well, let's get this person medicated and in treatment and, and give no care for the spiritual component. I keep saying component, component as well. So I do think just know your setting and know your bent and and be careful that also, you know, know when something is above your pay grade is the way we always talk about this yeah. on, a, on an on-the-ground situation. Don't assume that just because you have the Bible and the Holy Spirit that you're the person who needs to address what's going on with, with a pastoral concern that is that is showing up as a, as a very big and weird situation. That's really good. That's right. Wow, we did it. Another Q&A episode in the books. You guys are the best audience in podcasting. We say that over and over again. You ask great questions. You keep it civil in the comments. We appreciate that. We respect that. Thank you, thank you, thank you. We will be back for our 10th season. Can you believe that? No. Yes. (laughs) I thought thought we would have blown something up before now. So (laughs) amazing. Seasons. Uh, we will be uh, January 15th, 18th, somewhere in there will be when our teaser comes out for season 10. And I got to tell you, I think it's going to be the best season we've had yet. We have got some really fun things planned for season 10 for you, for us. I've got surprises for not just the audience, but some surprises up my sleeve for JT and Jen as well. <laughs> They're not going to know what's coming. That's the way I like it. Um, we're going to have a great time in season 10. Uh, in the spring, we are also launching our fourth podcast on the Train the Church Podcast Network. That would not be possible without the support of the best audience in podcasting. That podcast is starting place with Elizabeth Woodson, uh, exploring what Christians believe and why it matters. This is going to be an incredible, just imagine like a, uh, like if you were looking for like a shorter form exploration of some just core issues, um, it is going to be a fantastic resource that is coming out the same week that Knowing Faith begins to release. We'll be having our fourth season of the Family Discipleship Podcast and our second season of Confronting Christianity. 2023 has some really exciting things that we cannot tell you about yet, but that are on the radar for us that we're very excited about that we think you'll be excited about as well. If you want to find us, you can find us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter, Knowing Faith Podcast. You can leave us a review over at Apple Podcasts and drop a question in, and we'd be happy to consider that question for the future. If you want to find some behind-the-scenes stuff, find out how you can support us, continue to build out what we think is a really unique and robust podcast network, you can go to trainthechurch.com slash support. 
Thank you for this season. We hope you enjoyed the discussion. We'll see you after the new year. Grace and peace.